This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that believes there's no time like the present to learn about the past. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today, we're looking at an unusual conservation effort from the final months of World War II, a ban on late-night entertainment in the entire United States. The day was February 26, 1945. At the stroke of midnight, the U.S. federal government instituted a nationwide curfew on nightlife. Citizens were still allowed to stay out after midnight, but there wouldn't be much for them to do. The order required all places of entertainment to close at midnight, no exceptions. The order applied not only to bars and nightclubs, but to just about any establishment where people go to have a good time. That included theaters, dance halls, skating rinks, sports arenas, bowling alleys, amusement parks, country clubs, and circuses. At first, it seemed like the curfew didn't apply to all-night restaurants, provided they stopped serving alcohol at midnight. However, some cities interpreted the rules more strictly and required any restaurant with a liquor license to close promptly at midnight. One Texas newspaper described the country's reaction to the curfew as, quote, the biggest howl since prohibition. The ban on nightlife began as a request from Franklin Roosevelt's Director of War Mobilization, James F. Burns. Its stated purpose was to conserve fuel, manpower, and transportation for use in the war effort. Many reporters speculated that a secondary goal was to stop the public from wasting millions of dollars on entertainment so that they'd buy more war bonds instead. There was also the question of whether the nightlife industry was actually obliged to follow the curfew, since Burns had merely issued a request for them to close at midnight. However, the director warned that other government agencies were willing to step in and enforce the curfew, should the need arise. Faced with that not-so-veiled threat, proprietors nationwide dimmed their lights at midnight and hoped for the best. Nightclub owners in New York estimated revenue losses as high as 75%. Others worried they would have to close up shop altogether, or at least until the ban was lifted, whenever that would be. Another common concern was that speakeasies would pop up across the country, flaunting the curfew and cutting into the profits of businesses that complied with it. An article in the Tucson Daily Citizen captured the tension of the moment. It reported, quote, the return of the speakeasy and the loss of thousands of jobs were cited today by many cabaret proprietors as the logical results to be expected from the federal government's enforcement-barbed request. Many patrons shared the frustration and uncertainty of those in the entertainment industry. For example, on February 27th, the Baltimore Sun reported that, quote, the midnight curfew came to Baltimore last night and people downtown didn't quite know what to do with themselves. A moment before midnight, a tall, pretty blonde emerged from the Club Charles on North Charles Street. She looked about blankly for a moment and said, Everyone's the Cinderella now. The shoe fits all of us. That said, some establishments took the curfew in stride, 
including one Manhattan restaurateur named Bernard Toots Shore. He famously declared that, quote, any bum who can't get drunk by midnight ain't trying. Despite the complications of imposing a curfew in such a large city, there was surprisingly little pushback from traditionally outspoken New Yorkers. In fact, on February 27th, the New York Times reported that the only exceptions were a few Third Avenue saloons and theater district cafes. But otherwise, quote, New York's 12,000 amusement places fell in step last night with the nationwide midnight curfew, as easily as if this city had always rolled up the sidewalks early. But as the curfew stretched on into late March, the pushback finally came, although not from where you might expect. Instead of an irritated nightclub owner or a desperate bartender, it was the mayor of New York City, Fiorello LaGuardia, who openly defied the midnight order. On March 20th, he extended the official local closing time to 1 a.m., and he did so without the permission of Director Burns or anyone else in the federal government. Mayor LaGuardia insisted that the extra hour was necessary to combat, quote, rapid drinking and to relieve strain from the public transportation system. Other large American cities, like San Francisco, Miami, Los Angeles, and Reno had all found ways to cope with and abide by the midnight curfew without much fuss. But, according to LaGuardia, New York just couldn't hack it without those extra 60 minutes. Some outlets praised LaGuardia for standing up to Washington interference, but mayors across the country were quick to decry his combative attitude. Many journalists and cartoonists backed them up, and perhaps most tellingly, most New York bars and nightclubs continued to close at midnight. The American public had started out annoyed with the curfew, viewing it as an unnecessary inconvenience that probably wouldn't make much difference in the waning days of World War II. But once New York's mayor declared a special set of rules just for his city, public support for the midnight curfew actually increased. It certainly wasn't his intention, but by not being a team player, LaGuardia gave people a villain to root against, even if doing so meant backing a pointless rule. In the end, the federal government didn't take direct action to enforce the midnight curfew in New York or anywhere else. However, Roosevelt's administration did twist LaGuardia's arm a little by instructing the Army and Navy to crack down on after-midnight revelry within their ranks. This meant that, for the few establishments that did take advantage of that 1 a.m. closing time, doing so was no longer worth it. If servicemen weren't drinking after midnight, there wasn't much point staying open for just a few civilians. This ensured that LaGuardia's defiance had next to no impact in practice. Of course, all of this wrangling was rendered moot about a month later, when Washington announced the immediate lifting of the midnight entertainment curfew. The good news was delivered by Director Byrne's successor, Fred M. Vinson, at a press conference on May 9th, the day after Great Britain and the United States celebrated victory in Europe. Vinson proudly proclaimed that, quote, curfew shall not ring tonight. The celebratory mood was only slightly undercut by the revelation that the curfew hadn't actually saved that much energy, a fraction of a percent at most. 
But the bars were open late again, and the war was over. I doubt anyone cared or even noticed that the curfew had been for nothing. Well, except for maybe LaGuardia. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have a second and you're so inclined, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can always send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks, as always, to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and a special thanks to Joey Pat, our guest editor for this episode. And of course, thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.